following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Every week, but this week was was awesome. Um, I really love when we, we sing some of these older songs. It was great. I keep telling Caitlin sometimes that she's marrying a, marrying a guy who's old at heart, loving the old school songs and printing out pieces of paper. So that's great. Well, this morning, um, if my voice sounds a little bit hoarse, I'm sorry. Um, it was because I was singing my lungs out, but also um, I was at the football last night. Um, yeah, printed out my tickets because I needed need tickets, but. Yeah, look, I was there, I, was, I witnessed a miracle, witnessed a miracle, Paramount actually won a game, so um, I'm going to stop being cheeky, but this morning we are talking about another miracle and a, and a better one, I promise. Uh, if you're new with us, we're in the series, uh, in a series looking at the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, um, and we're calling it Unstoppable, and we're looking at really at how God used His church to impact the world around them at the time. We're looking and considering how God started, as, you, as it were, His unstoppable church, as continued from that day up to now and will into the future. And one of the things we see again and again is that in, in one of the ways that God chooses to do that in the book of Acts was through the performance of miracles, through the, the performance of some kind of wonder or amazing event that drew people in and was a catalyst um, for, for salvation um, for, for multitudes of people. Um, and so this morning, we are looking at chapter 3 of the book of Acts. Um, if, if you haven't been following it, we are encouraging you to come to each service pre-reading the chapter ahead, um, simply because we, we, we just don't have the time to read the entirety um, of the chapter each and every week. Uh, but if you ever haven't had a chance to read it, I'll, I'll summarize the, the essence of, of what happened in this miracle. The first sort of 10 verses or so talk about this man who was lame from birth and he was taken and he was seated um, at the gate to the temple. Um, now many commentators uh, say that that was a, a great place to be because if you're begging for money, if you, you need those finances, being at the gate of the temple was great because um, the Jewish people as they came for their sacrifices or for prayers, they'd, they'd often want to do these pious good deeds. Um, and so often you'd find that they would be giving what's called alms, A-L-M-S, um, alms to these people. And so he was in that prime position. And, and as far as we know, he was there pretty much every day. Um, and he comes across Peter and John and Peter, and Peter looks at him and he says to him, he says, silver and gold, coins, money, I, I don't have for you, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth walk. And the man He's taken by his right hand, his legs become strong, and he, we're told that he goes and leaps for joy, and he's praising God because of this amazing miracle. And what ensues then is Peter explaining to the masses that then come to him, you know, obviously with an inquisitory nature, he explains to them what's going on. That's where we're going to focus this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Uh, we are going to read about five verses, verses 11 through to 16. Um, which will be on the screen. And we're considering sort of what, what Paul says, uh, so what Peter says about this miracle. Listen to what it says from verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? 
Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Church, this morning as we're we're, we're looking at this passage, what I want us to do is I want us to to draw out or consider three important features of what Peter says and, and about this miracle that was performed we're going to look at three important features of this powerful work that God did, and then we're going to consider um, some, some real-life tangible um, applications of it. So if the first three points feel a little bit um, heady, trust me, we are coming to land the plane um, at the end with some application. Um, and the question we're considering is that if we're going to be this church that is unstoppable, that um, moves in power the way God used them in the book of Acts, the three points we're going to look at is that we're going to consider that it's not by who we are, but it's by Jesus' power for His glory alone. That's our three points that we're going to draw out from our passage. That it's not about who we are. It's not about us. It's not, about, um, it's not dependent on us, but it's dependent on Jesus, who He is and His power, and it's for His glory alone. And then we'll come in for some application. So let me pray, um, and then we'll dive into our sermon this morning. Father God, I pray, Lord God, that as we come around Your Word, Lord, that by Your Spirit, that You would bring to life these words. Lord, that you bring them to life in the hearts of each and every one of us. Lord God, I pray that, Lord, we will be so encouraged by your word and the works you did through your apostles um, in the book of Acts, Lord, that that would spur us on in our own faith. Father, I pray that you would help me to guard my tongue and help me to be faithful to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we're looking at is it's not by who we are. The first thing we see, you, you see in verse um, 11 and, um, and 12, is that Peter emphasized that the healing and the miracle that happened, that, that the people had just witnessed, it was not based on who they were. It's not based on Peter, it wasn't based on John. Because after all this happened, we, we see in the first verse there, verse 11, that these people, they, they see this man that they recognized. This man that said, hey, I, I know that guy. He, he was sitting at the temple gate for all these years. They recognized him jumping for joy and they did what every one of us would have done. They, they got curious and they, they flocked to Peter and John. You know, so often we're, we're like that, aren't we? If we, we hear a good story, we want to know more. We want to know that person who did that amazing thing. Maybe it's a, a doctor who we hear a testimony about how he's treated this patient so well. And so that if we have that same illness, we, we want to go and see that person. I remember I, I had the same thing when I had my knee injury. There was this doctor that everyone said was um, the, the, the guy who basically wrote the book on ACL reconstructions in Australia. And so I, I wanted to go see him. And my parents paid $400 plus, something ridiculous, for the consultation. And I was lying on the table and he patted my stomach and said I'd been eating too many puppetums. I mean, that's the expert opinion you heard from the guy himself. I wanted to go see him and, and get this explanation, but all I got was that I'd been eating too much. But these people came to Peter hoping he wouldn't talk, they wouldn't talk about something like that. They came to Peter and they were wondering who the heck these guys are. And Peter doesn't condemn them or say anything. He steps up and he says to them in verse 12, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us 
as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. See, what Peter is doing is he's emphasizing the fact that it wasn't ultimately dependent on them for this healing to have happened. Whether this man was healed or not was not ultimately dependent on who they were. It wasn't ultimately dependent on how good a Christian Peter had been. It wasn't dependent on how pure he had been that week or how many times he had prayed or read his Bible or or the equivalent of. It wasn't dependent on his faithful obedience. It was not dependent on him. He says, don't look at me. It wasn't by my power or my godliness that this man was healed. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough subject for sometimes for us in the church because some of, some of us, maybe even some of us here, have, have been led to believe that if the healing didn't come for our loved one who passed away, or if we're still struggling with ailments in our bodies, sometimes we've been led to believe that it's because we just don't have enough faith. That somehow it's on us, it's dependent on us to bring about the healing. And so if our friend doesn't get healed, well, we for one reason or another, we just didn't pray hard enough. We didn't believe enough. And that has caused so much hurt for so many people that I know, maybe even for yourself this morning. We can sometimes be made to believe that the healing rises and falls with us. That it's dependent on us. And Peter is saying no. He's saying, he's making it very clear here. He's saying it was not by their power. It was not by their godliness. It was not by who they were as human men that this man was healed, which implies that it was dependent on something else. That's our first point this morning, that the healing of this, this man was not dependent on Peter and John. It was not dependent on who they were, but it begs the question then, well, what was it dependent on? Which brings us to our second point, but by Jesus's power. The second thing we see is that the healing came in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, what, what does that mean? Again, I think so many of us can, can subconsciously or maybe even overtly fall into the trap of believing that that phrase is somehow a, just in and of itself a, a magical key word. That if we just say the word or we tack it onto our prayers, that all of a sudden it just means that God's power will be initiated. That it's some sort of a, a magical or automatic phrase. But it's important for us to consider what it means when we pray or ask something in Jesus' name, what it signifies. See, when we pray in the name of Jesus, what we're doing is we're invoking the authority and the power of the person who is being named. To illustrate it this way, I, um, I started a new job back in sort of April. Um, and I love it. It's been great. Um, it's been wonderful. But one of the things I don't know, one of the things I struggle with is there's a, there's a team of admin assistants. And there's, there's certain tasks that I'm supposed to delegate to them. But I don't have one secretary that's my secretary as a word. And so every time I'm delegating a task, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this. I don't know if this is something that everyone does, but because I'm a junior, I, I don't get that privilege. And so often what I do, maybe you do it too, is when you send that email, I copy in my boss. I copy in my boss and I'm sending it to his secretary. In other words, what I'm doing, you could say, is I'm invoking the authority and the power and the, um, the, the, the things that come with who my boss is. To flip it around from the other side, you could say that, from the admin team's perspective, when they get that email and they see my boss's name on there or they see me saying that he has asked me to do this, they can almost take it as if he himself is the one that has delegated the task. That's sort of the, the similar idea that we're seeing here. When we talk about praying in Jesus' name or asking for something in Jesus' name, or in this case, when there's healing in Jesus' name, it's really about who Jesus himself is. That's why the name of Jesus has power. 
because of his power, because of his authority, because he is so far above all else. There's a, a biblical scholar by the name of Richard Longnecker, um, and he says it this way. This is what he says. He says, in Semitic thought or in, in Jewish times, a name does not just identify or distinguish a person. It expresses the very nature of his being. Hence, the power of the person is present and available in the name of that person. So in other words, it's saying that, that what we're actually doing, we pray in Jesus' name, for example, as I said, we're, we're talking about the power, referring to and invoking the power that Jesus himself has. It's about who he is. And in our text that we read, Peter gives us some reminders of who Jesus is. Look at our text again in verse 14. Peter says, Peter describes Jesus as the holy and the righteous one. The one who was completely blameless, the one who was completely sinless, the spotless lamb of God. Jesus was the only person who had lived on this earth that had never disobeyed God, that was perfect in his obedience. Jesus was the holy and righteous one that was ultimately disowned by his own people and traded in a prisoner exchange for a murderer. Verse 15 says that Jesus was the author of life, which indicates or, or refers to Jesus's, um, the, uh, Jesus as the source of life, the one who gives life, the one from whom true life comes. Not only that, but the name of Jesus is significant too. Um, in uh, Sorry, uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of his sermons back in the 1800s, he, he spent probably about three or four pages talking just about the name of Jesus and what it signified, Jesus Christ. In summary, Jesus was, in, in the old Hebrew language, it, was, it meant Yahweh saves or the Lord is salvation. It signified that Jesus was the one through whom humanity would be saved from their sins. It signifies that Jesus was the rescuer, the deliverer. The name Christ is, is not his surname. The, the name Christ is another title given to who Jesus was, signifying that he is the anointed one, the Messiah, the promised one. And so putting all these things together, what Peter is saying is that the, the focus here is on the superiority of Jesus' name, which ultimately signifies the superiority of Jesus himself. As we're saying that he is the name above all names. There, there is no name, there is no other name that we would rather praise than him. When we sing that Jesus' name is the name above all names, we are singing and declaring ultimately that Jesus himself is above all. That he has ultimate power, ultimate authority, ultimate significance. That there is no one higher, there is no one great, there is no one that can match our God. He's unmatched, he's unrivaled. That is the God that we're asking to bring healing, that we're asking to bring salvation, that we're asking to bring restoration. And so to tie all back together, what we see here is that in the healing of this man was entirely dependent on Jesus. It was entirely dependent on Jesus and who he was, and it rose and fall with, fell with him. In this instance, he chose to use Peter and John as his vessels, as his instruments in his hands to bring about that work of healing and restoration in that man's life. It's all about who he is, faith in his name, in who he was that this healing happened. Now, for sake of time, we, we do need to move on, but let me briefly just even refer to verse 16, where it says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that is completely healed. Even the faith to believe, for Peter to believe that healing will come. 
even the faith for the man perhaps to believe that he would be healed. Whatever it is, all of that was, even that was dependent on Jesus because the faith came through him. It doesn't say faith in him, it says faith through him. That faith itself even comes from God. That's our second point this morning, that the healing was entirely dependent on who God is, on who Jesus is, on his power, his authority. But finally, our text also indicates that there was an ultimate purpose to it all. Brings us to our third point this morning, for his glory alone. The third thing we're going to see is that ultimately, the ultimate um, end or purpose of this act was ultimately the glorification of Christ. Now, this is a, a difficult point for me to speak on and maybe for us to hear, but, but, but come with me on this. Look at verse 13. Remember that the crowds have come to Peter. They've flocked to him and they want to know what's going on and how this guy is, is doing these things, by what power. And Peter turns to them, he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. Or in the NLT version, puts it a little bit differently. He says, for it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant, Jesus, by doing this. That's the ultimate end of this man's healing was for glory to come to Christ. In case you missed it, Peter identifies very clearly that it is God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's a a common phrase in Jewish circles at the time, which would have invoked or or reminded them of the language of the Old Testament, where God often identifies himself as the the God of um, their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Peter is explicitly saying that it is God that has done that work. And he says that the ultimate end really was for the glorification of Christ, that Jesus would be glorified. Peter is saying that God, Yahweh, has chosen to glorify his servant Jesus through this miracle. Now, it it might sound a little bit harsh. I recognize that. But I'll say it in this way. The ultimate purpose of healing this man and enabling him to walk again was not just so that the individual would be physically healed. That's a great thing. And we love that. And we we get excited for it. And we, we love reading stories like that. But as amazing as that is, the ultimate purpose, the ultimate end was for Jesus to be glorified as a result. Church, it's so important for us to see the significance of this this morning because we, we live in a world that tells us that we ought to put ourselves at the center, that we ought to look out for number one first, to do what pleases us first. And to use biblical language, you could say that we live in a world that tells us to seek first our own glory our own uh, purposes, our own ends, and have that as being the ultimate end of all things. And sadly, so often we can come into the church, we can come into our Christian walks even, thinking that it's all about us, that it's all about what God can do for us. We love these stories, and they're great stories, and we love to imagine ourselves in these stories. We love to think that, that, that God will finally take away that sickness, that he will finally bring that restoration that we so long, uh, so long for and desired. We so often put ourselves in the center of the story. And don't get me wrong, desiring those things are good things. It's good to pray for that and to believe for that, absolutely. But as we read the, the first few chapters um, of Acts and, and indeed in the whole of, of the Bible, we see that that is never the ultimate end. That is an end, that's a great thing, but the ultimate end is always that God would be glorified in all things. When God was, uh, took Egypt, uh, sorry, took Israel out of Egypt, 
when God restored Israel from exile in Babylon, even when God orchestrated the greatest um, redemption story ever by sending Jesus to die in your and my place, even all that, the ultimate end of that is glory to God. And the same is very true of this very personal and specific event. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob chose to glorify his servant Jesus through the healing of this man. Church, whilst this may be difficult and harsh maybe for us to wrestle with, I assure you it's a great source of hope for us this morning. Because as I said, we certainly love these stories. We, we absolute, and we absolutely should pray and pray and plead with God to take away the sickness, to bring healing, to bring restoration um, of relations, to bring provision of a need that we have, to, to, to give us food for our stomachs. They're good things to pray for. And we absolutely should and continually, pr- continually pray for those things. But ultimately, we should pray and desire that God be glorified in, in the midst of any situation regardless of the outcome. I'm sure many of us have grieved very real pain uh, and felt very real pain over lost loved ones that passed away even though we prayed for that healing for many, many nights. Many of us have felt the pain of friends or boyfriends or girlfriends or even spouses turning their backs on us and that hurts and we're pleading with God again and again and we absolutely should. But I assure you, church, that if we cling on to this ultimate desire that God will be glorified in all things, we will find both the strength to pray fervent prayers and persistent prayers for those things, and yet we'd be able to rest in the sovereignty and the peace of God. That's our third point this morning. The ultimate end of the miracle is the glorification of Christ. Now, if it feels all a little bit airy-fairy, I promise, I hope, we're going to come into a bit of a landing now. It brings us to our fourth point, a bit of application. Perhaps you're seeing this morning, this morning wondering, okay, how does this all relate to me today? I mean, maybe, maybe you have some sicknesses or ailments that you're thinking of. Maybe, maybe not. How, how does this relate? Well, I want to suggest to you there are four ways in which perhaps this ought to shape the way that we live as we consider being part of God's unstoppable church. Firstly, I want to suggest to us that if we have a need, we ought to bring it to Jesus. Perhaps some of you are sitting here this morning and you you feel like you're in a similar position to this man in the story, where you've got a need, a need that you perceive is very real and and is is relevant to you and um, is on your heart. Maybe like this, this man, you have a physical ailment. Uh, Maybe you have a material need. Maybe you're wrestling with questions that you don't feel like you have sufficient answers to. Maybe you're wrestling with relational hurts or um, some sort of pain in your heart. Maybe there's, you're tired and you're exhausted. You just feel like you can't keep doing what you have always been doing. One of the things that we can draw out from this passage is that we can come to Jesus. We can come. Why? Because He is the name above all names. He has the power and the authority and the ability to heal all hurts, to take away all sin. There is not a single sickness on this planet that God cannot take away like that. There is nothing that is outside the possibility or, or the ability of God. And so if that's the God we serve, and if it's entirely dependent on Him, then absolutely we should come boldly, persistently, fervently, incessantly, and bring those needs to Jesus knowing that He cares and that He hears us. 
I'm reminded often of Psalm 5, which is probably one of my favorite psalms, where it says there, it says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. That heart of saying, God, I, I, I so strongly believe that you can, that I'm expecting and desiring eagerly that you will. That's a good posture of heart to have, church. That's our first application point. Bring your needs to Jesus because he, he hears you and he's available and he wants to meet with you. Maybe if Andy and the team want to jump up. The second point this morning is that if maybe you're not in that situation and, and you, you don't necessarily have an acute need right now that that you're aware of. Well, in that case, just let me encourage you, be open. Pray that God will open your eyes to see the need of others around you. I I wasn't even thinking of this, and I was reading an article um, by John Piper. Um, He preached a sermon about 25 years ago on this this, um, chapter. And one of the things that he he, highlighted in in that sermon was he, 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 he said that, it's, it's interesting to know that Peter and John probably walked this path every single day. This man was probably sitting, sitting there every day. They probably passed him every single day. But for whatever reason, God chose to open their hearts to see this man on this day. To see this man asking them for money, which maybe he'd done before. Maybe they'd even given money to him before. We don't know. But God made them aware of this man's need. And not only his perceived need, but even a deeper need. The need for healing of his physical body. So the question for us this morning is, how might God want to use you to make a difference or impact the lives of people around you? At work, maybe it's at work, you have colleagues or your bosses or clients who, who are going through something difficult that you can come alongside and just love them. Maybe, like I had the other week where one of my colleagues mentioned in passing that they were um, resigning because they'd been unwell. Um, and it might be simple as just praying for them or asking if you can pray for them or asking if you can meet a practical need. Maybe it's here at church. Maybe you're, you're having coffee next door and you're talking to someone and, and you, you come across someone who's downcast in spirit, someone whose faith is on the rock, someone who is struggling so much and you can just come and give them a hug. You can pray with them. You can encourage them maybe from the word. You can organize to meet up later in the week. You can connect them with someone else in the church that can also help and support that person. Or maybe even on the, the street, we often think, and we often, I'd say, particularly in the West, we, we, we neglect that kind of ministry. I was, I was challenged just by a friend um, who's a, a very quiet, very, you know, he's not sort of loud and, you know, up the front sort of guy. He's very quiet. But he shared a story uh, on Instagram the other day where he was walking and he saw this man sitting on the, begging for money um, next to Coles. And for whatever reason, he decided to have a conversation with him, bought him a meal, um, and found out this man was a, a, a brother in Christ, but had, had backslidden and um, was, was going through difficult times. He was able just to encourage him and pray for him because he was aware of how God was wanting to perhaps use him in that moment to meet that particular man's need or at least part of it. How might God want to use you today, this week, this month to impact and make a difference in the lives of people around you? Thirdly, pray fervently. Church, if... I hope we understand that if, if this does not depend on us, if it depends entirely on who God is, then that ought to give us the confidence to come boldly, as we said before, and pray, pray, pray. To pray for healing for that loved one that has sickness or illness that's ravaging their body. To pray that God will restore that broken relationship. That, to pray that God will restore the joy of your own spirit or the spirit of someone 
around you. Come boldly and pray. Why? Because we are praying to the God who is above all. The God whose name is above all. The God who can do all things because of who He is. But then church, lastly, seek ultimately the glory of the Lord in all things. Pray that God would so mold your heart and the heart maybe of the person that you're praying for, that no matter the outcome, as difficult as it is, no matter the outcome, whether the healing comes or not, whether the relationship heals or not, whether the spouse, whether we find a spouse or we stay single, pray that no matter what the outcome is, that our hearts will always be content and joyful in the Lord and that He would be glorified. If I can share a, a slight anecdote, a couple of years ago, I probably went through uh, one of the more difficult times of my, my, my short life, I would say. And I was wrestling with... Um, a lot of key close friendship that just broke down seemingly overnight. And some, some of you here who know me well can testify that was a, a dark period. Um, and I wrestled day in, day out. And I said, God, why don't you just bring restoration? Why don't you just bring healing? And there were times I said, my prayer was simply, God, I don't know what you're doing. I hope you do. And I can tell you that two and a half years on, those relationships haven't healed. And there's parts, there are times where I still feel that brokenness. But I can stand here and, and, and confidently testify that what has happened in the last two and a half years is that God's brought me closer to Him. That for His glory alone, He has so molded my heart in a way that I never expected. That even though the restoration didn't come, and to some degree I still pray and hope that it does one day. But even though it hasn't yet, He's moved my heart to be able to trust Him even more than I did before. it. And so church, that's what it means to pray that He will be glorified that no matter what happens, He will be honoured. We have Christ as our example, church, because that's ultimately what Christ did too. That in the garden, He prayed, Father, if it's your will, take it from me, but not mine will, but yours. He he was eager for God's will to be done, the Father's will to be done. And that will led Him to the cross where He died, the the most unjust death ever in in the place of you and I. Look to Jesus. Jesus is that hope because ultimately he's won the ultimate battle. He's now seated above all principalities, all powers, all sicknesses. And there is coming a time where he will one day restore all things and there will be no more sickness and death. But until that time, seek after him. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? We're going to ask the ending the team to, to sing a song in a moment. But what we're going to do is after... And while they're singing, I want to encourage you, if there is a need that you have, if there's something that you're wrestling with this morning, this week, our our story at the very least shows us that God can, at the very least, He can. And we're praying and believing that He will bring restoration, healing, hope, whatever it is that that need is. So if you haven't, I want to encourage you to, to be bold and to take a step and come to the front. Our elders and our team will be, be here to pray. And I want to encourage you to, to, to come and seek God. Don't give up seeking the Lord and, and seeking for His intervention in the particular circumstance. So as the team sings, I want to encourage you, if, if that's you this morning, come to the front and we can pray um, and then we'll keep going. Let's sing Jesus. Jesus. Name above all names, beautiful.
Sing his name, Jesus. Jesus, name above all names. Beautiful Savior. Yes, you are, Lord. Glorious Lord. Emmanuel. God is with The one who can bring all healing and you are the God that's so powerful, powerful beyond our comprehension. So Father God, we pray that you would stir our hearts. You'll stir our hearts. You'll give us an increased measure of faith to to ask for the things that we might think are impossible, knowing that you can do it. Father God, I pray for all of those who are here, who are watching online, who are outside that have particular needs, whether it be sicknesses, whether it be uh, relational issues, whether it be some kind of other material need, whatever it is, Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would meet them in that need. Lord God, that you would meet their heart, that you would use your people, that you would use supernatural ways, whatever it is, to meet that need, Father. But Father God, I pray that in each and every one of our hearts that we would desire your glory above all things. Father, that we would rejoice in the ultimate victory that has already been won. And that we would look forward to the day where we won't need to pray for healing anymore. We won't need to ask for restoration because it would have already happened because there'll be no more sickness or death. Father God, we eagerly look forward to that and we pray that you would just so um, fixate our hearts and the hope of our hearts onto that. That Lord God, as we continue to live in this world, as we continue to to walk in 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 the world and the places that you place us, Lord, that we would have the, the, the faith to believe for, for great things, Lord God, that you can do, but also the peace and the, the, the faith to trust that you are in control no matter what. Father, open up our eyes to see the needs of others around yes. us, whether it be in the church, in our workplaces, in our schools, or in universities, or on the streets, or in our bike clubs, wherever it is in our gyms. Father, I pray that you'd open up our hearts to see those needs. Lord God, and you'd move us and you use us as your vessels, as your instruments to meet that and those needs in some way. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the name above all names. That there is no name that is rival. There's no name that comes even close. You're not the first in a race. You are the only runner in that race because you're so far ahead of every other name. Father, I pray that you'd, glorify, you'd, you'd uh, help our hearts to desire glory um, for you. Lord God, that our hearts will so want to honor and praise you and lift up your name. Lord, that you'd pray that you'd mold our hearts to desire that more and more, Jesus. Father God, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, it's not too late if you want prayer. 
please feel free to come. Our elders and team will be here. But if not, encourage someone next door. Ask how you can pray for someone. Ask how you can maybe meet a need. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.